0: So tempting to just let that one play. What's going on, folks? Pete Davidson back with a fresh edition of the Rotobomb podcast. It's Saturday, so we're talking DFS. Um, (laughs) Last week uh, was a survival week for me. Um, I managed to have a lot of Dak Prescott and still get out of there with a little bit of my money. (laughs) If Dak um, hadn't gotten hurt, probably would have been a pretty good day. Uh, Hopefully, you guys didn't get zeroed out or anything like that, and hopefully Dak uh, is back healthy sooner rather than later, but obviously uh, that's not gonna be this year. Uh, I'd like to thank Pat Mahomes and Kelsey. Those stacks really saved me. Uh, Mike Davis and uh, Darius Slayton, you guys helped quite a bit too. and uh, we got a lot to do here. Um, before I get going, um, I want to say thank you uh, to last week's donors. Had a couple of you. Um, we're nowhere near. We're nowhere near what we need with the donations, but uh, it uh, it does hit me right in the feels when they come in. So I appreciate that. Um, you guys know who you are. Um, also, um, over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten a couple DMs um, and an email actually on the podcast, uh, and it's cool knowing that. I mean, I don't have open DMs. Uh, maybe I should, but I don't. Um, so these are folks who follow me. It's really nice to know that I've got folks who I follow who uh, listen to the podcast. It's sort of cool. Um, and the only, I mean, I get, you know, you guys send me a message every now and then. again. It's it's always nice to get. Um, but what I found interesting about the messages I've gotten over the last couple of weeks is that two people were saying that they think a shorter podcast would be better, um, and then Two of the other messages were saying that there should be more on the podcast. Um I know sometimes I don't spend a lot of time, um, you know, on specific plays. Um, and I used to do that more. Um, a couple things on that, because one of the people who said they wanted more, one of the things they wanted was more talking about specific individual plays versus walking the slate. Um, so a couple things on that. First of all, I I rank all the players every week at every position. So those are really a pretty good way to get at who I think is gonna be good. Just look at my rankings, okay? So I think some folks probably listen to the pod, they don't even know that rotobond.com exists, okay? Rotobond.com folks, all of my players against DraftKings prices every week, they're there. You know, are they 100% for DFS? No, they're not. It's seasonal DFS sort of combined. Um, But if you go and look, you will find, uh, you know, guys with low prices that are lifted up in my rankings. Those are always a pretty good indication of guys that I might be playing uh, on a given week. Not to mention, I I usually try to throw in some DFS recommendations um, when I do the rankings. Now, those are early in the week recommendations. They usually end up being part of my... um, of my you know player sheet, but not always. Um, I'm more than willing to come off an idea that I had earlier in the week. Maybe somebody smarter than me pointed me in a different direction, uh, or maybe I just have you know more information by the time I'm finished with my process. Injuries, that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing this up, you know, please, uh, absolutely, let me know what you like and dislike about this podcast. Uh, you know, I do enjoy doing the podcast. Um, probably more than I enjoy preparing for the podcast um, but you know I'm gonna do the prep either way because it's for you know I, I look I, I'm gonna do all this DFS prep whether I'm sharing it with you guys or not because I'm a player just like you guys are um, but it really but the the this podcast what you're hearing right now this is purely for you guys like spewing all of my stuff out over the course of an hour that I've worked on over the course of a week doesn't really help me any um, so, really, the the shape that this thing takes, um, you know, I, I want the listeners to have some feedback in terms of what it is that's useful for them over the course of, you know, roughly an hour each week. So, by all means, if there's something in the podcast that you really like that isn't happening consistently enough, if there's something in the podcast that you think is a waste of time, uh, feel free to be blunt. I, I want to know these things because, again, this isn't for me, and it's for you guys. The prep's for me, for sure. Um, but uh, I, I want the podcast to give you guys the information you feel like you want. Now, just, you know, t- to give you guys a feel for why the podcast has sort of evolved the way it has, is my process has evolved, and, you know, I'm a big see-the-whole-board kind of guy, which is, you know, you see what I put into the lineup rankings every week. It, I, I, I care about the little things, and to me, even if... Walking the slate is an exercise in elimination. That's a positive thing. Reduction, when it comes to my weekly um, player board, is a big factor, and how I go about that reduction uh, is something you'll find if you listen, you know, to a slate walk. Not to mention, very rarely is there a game where it's just dead. You know, dead soldier games are rare. Um, usually, there's something in a game that's in some way appealing, even if it's just a defense. Um, The other thing is when I walk through the slate and I tell you guys how I see a game, you know, it it gives you a window into my thought process, which could be, hey, I'm interested to know how Pete thinks, or it could be, hey, I see how Pete's thinking here and it doesn't make any sense to me, so I'm going to blow off this piece of advice. I mean, I, I fully understand that the people who listen to this podcast are not, you know, you guys aren't sitting here like looking at this podcast like it's pearls of wisdom. You're looking for information, you know, I mean, yeah. My player takes over the last year and a half. My individual plays—they've been good, but to me, it's—it's you know, I'm getting further and further away from just isolating players who I think are going to do well and then building my lineups around that. I am, you know, getting more and more and more into the stacks, the correlations, um, all that stuff. Um, I'm even starting to pay a little bit of attention to ownership, though I'm still really not fully on that bandwagon. so, please, if you're a regular listener to this podcast and there are things that you like and that you don't, absolutely communicate that with me. If, if, if we follow each other, send a DM. But if not, just, just shoot it right out on Twitter, man. Believe me, I can handle it if it's criticism. Don't worry about it. Um, so, you know... It, Definitely looking for feedback um, to the extent that you can help the podcast because this is a podcast that's grown, but it certainly hasn't grown to the extent where it's like paying the bills, right? So, anytime you guys can retweet the pod, it helps, you know. Like some people, and I've gotten some, you know, well, DMs that you know have been so I've got a lot of people sending me correspondence that's saying, Hey, I really like the podcast, I haven't been able to donate. Believe me, I get that it's a tough year. Um, So the point I'm making here is if you can't donate to Rotobahn to support it, I understand. That doesn't mean you don't get to listen to the podcast. That's the way we have it set up, right? So, But you can still... Give me good feedback. That can help the podcast. You can retweet the podcast. You can retweet Rotobot and rankings. You can shoot out a, um, a Twitter testimonial. All these things will help. Anybody who sends out a positive thing, I'm going to try to retweet it. That's a new thing I'm trying to do. Um, I'm a little sheepish when it comes to self-promotion. You guys, some of you probably realize that. Um, every now and then I'll say, hey, look, we were right about something, but not nearly as consistently as I should. I'm 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 very I don't, I don't want to make this sound like it's a deep intellectual thing. I'm, I was going to say I'm forward thinking, but the truth of the matter is it's more like forward facing. I'm always looking forward because there's finite time. Like, I'd love to have like three hours each week to just look back and analyze, but by the time the results from a week have come in, I'm already working on the waiver wire for the next week. So, for me, I'm almost always forcibly looking forward versus backward. Um, so, you know, that tends to limit the amount of times I'm going to take something from the podcast or from the rankings or from the waiver wire, throw it up on Twitter and and say, hey, look at us. It's just not, you know, it's something we could do more of at Rotobomb, but, you know, I, when it's, when you're looking at a finite time situation, you're looking at a choice. You can look one way or the other. And I tend to look at the future. It's just the way we do it. So, Anything you guys can do to sort of jump on the team and help out, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, sorry for the long windup up here. We're going to get into uh, all the stuff I have going for this week. And it's a lot of stuff. We're going to do a slate walk. Um, but we're also, just before I do that, I want to hit on some things. Um, last week we talked about greed and how greed is good. And I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to be as greedy as possible when it comes to your standards for a play. You know, like I said last week, if you don't feel a player has upside, then you really need to explain to yourself why that guy's in your lineup. Like, you should hit every single player in every single one of your lineups from that standpoint, does he have enough upside? If not, why? And there better be a real good answer on the why. We talked about Troutman a couple weeks ago. Why, 2,500, we thought he might catch a couple balls. You know, the week after that, we played uh, Olamidis, Zakeas or however you pronounce his name. And that was even worse. But the irony is that those lineups did really well because I had a reason for doing it. Okay, there are times where we will step back, but for the most part, you want upside at every single position and floor that's where the greed comes in. It's easy to find hey, nine guys with upside. Here we go. But if they all have shit floors, you're going to end up with a shit team. Um so it's important to do all the things we can do to give ourselves built-in advantages, right? The stacks, the bring backs when we're using a stack, roster blocks, which I talked about a couple uh weeks ago. Roster I the, the biggest uh the biggest winnings I have this year um, was off a, a roster that had two roster blocks in it. So it's something, you know, sometimes it feels like any time you use a roster block, which would be like using two receivers on the same team maybe, or a receiver in a tight end, um, it feels like you're giving up upside, especially if you're not stacking it, right? And you are. But in smaller field tournaments, that can be okay. Um, So, you know, that's another thing. And we're looking for positive game environments. Stacks, bringbacks, roster blocks, positive game environments. We're looking for thin distribution of touches and targets. All of that stuff, it all helps. Um, And then this week, one of the things I wanted to sort of add to that list is to not forget about the dominoes, which is the reason we had Derek and the dominoes on the intro there. Um, I I didn't want to forget. I wanted to sort of emphasize it. I was actually going to use... um, Van Morrison Domino, but he's he's been so fascist the last couple months, I, I I don't want Van on my podcast right now. So I I went with Derek and the Dominoes, but the whole reason to put Derek and the Dominoes on this was because I don't want you guys to forget the Dominoes. And when I say Dominoes, I'm talking about the things that should fall following a commitment, right? So I'll go through some, Just I'm going to use some from this week to give you an example of what I'm talking about. So don't forget the Dominoes. Here's an example. I fade Alexander Madison, okay? Well, if I'm fading him, it's probably pretty smart if I follow, if I play the tape all the way to the end, what dominoes fall if Madison fails? Well, Thielen and JJ go up, right? So if I'm gonna fade Madison this week, I'm gonna probably make sure that I have some level of investment in Thielen and Justin Jefferson, okay? If I fade Derrick Henry this week, the dominoes from a Henry, not fade, There's no, just because I fade them doesn't mean something's going to happen. But if I'm right and Henry is a flop, then I'm going to want some Tannehill. I'm going to want some A.J. Brown. I'm going to want some Johnny Smith, right? If I fade A-Rob, do I use some Mooney? That would make some sense. If I fade A-Rob, do I, do I add a little bit of Montgomery to my portfolio? If I fade Hollywood this week, I should be playing Andrews because I think they're in a funnel situation, okay? So don't forget about the dominoes, let's keep going. If I fade Antonio Gibson, I'll probably want to play McLaurin because we're looking at a team that's in a reasonably good spot this week, they played a tough schedule, they've got a very thin distribution of targets and touches, so, and this goes either way, if if I'm fading McLaurin, I want to have some Gibson out there, right, because you don't want to just have one positive to being right about something. If I fade McLaurin and he stinks, I avoided McLaurin and that, that pitfall, that's all great. But if McLaurin goes out and puts up like nothing, unless, unless Washington football team like does nothing, it almost means Gibson has to do something. So again, follow the dominoes. Don't forget the dominoes. If I fade Claypool this week, which I'm not going to do in full, but if I fade, fade Claypool, I should either be on Juju... Or I should be on Ebron, because I think people are going to hit on that team, right? If I fade James Robinson, I think this is a week where I want to get LaVisca Chenault or Keelan Cole in my lineup. If I fade Devontae Adams, then MVS or Tanyan or Aaron Jones, I think all become that much more appealing to me from that position. So don't forget the dominoes. When you make a choice and take a position and you take a stand, you plant the flag... Think about what it means and act accordingly, okay? All right. Hopefully I didn't spend too much time on that. All right, so over to the slate walk. Um, Got my big board in front of me here. We're going to go through these in order. Uh, Texans at Titans, then Bengals at Colts, then Falcons at Vikings. Broncos at Patriots, which I guess is a little dicey because it could still conceivably get moved off the slate, which sucks because I sort of like that game now. We'll get into that. Football team at Giants, Ravens at Eagles, Browns at Steelers, Bears at Panthers, Lions at Jaguars, Jets at Dolphins, which is a Fitz revenge game and a Gase revenge game, sort of all mixed into one, um, revenge game against Gase, Gase isn't getting revenge on anybody, um, (laughs) and then the last one's going to be Green Bay uh, at Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays, um, so that's the order we're going to go through these in. Just if you guys want to skip ahead, will give you a little idea of how far to skip. Um, so first game up is Texans at Titans. And this is definitely a game I think a lot of people are going to try to jump in to. It's Both teams are at 25 and above. The game is obviously over 50. Um, we've got a fairly narrow distribution of action on the Tennessee side at least in some ways right we know Henry's going to get his um Corey Davis doesn't look like he's going to play so that should make A.J. Brown's targets you know that much more assured uh Janu should be in play here um and if you want to go off the board if you feel like that target distribution isn't thin enough for you um and you just want to play it thin um you could play Adam Humphreys who's off the COVID list this is I have found this game to be more challenging to stack than I thought because, you know, I feel like it could just – this game's going to go one of two ways from the Tennessee side. And so I don't know if I'm going to sort of split the baby and have Henry teams hope and and, and then not do much else from this game uh, and sort of hope that Henry wrecks the whole thing by dominating. Time of possession goes to Tennessee, um, it goes from the air to the ground, and then other people who went after this game hard, um, are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all over that. Um, and then maybe from the other side, you know, I think Watson with DJ Stacks can work, Watson Stacks with Fuller or Cooks, and then bring back maybe Henry. Uh, the problem with that is that Henry shortens the game if he hits, um, so maybe the way to play that is to play Houston out ahead with your Watson stack and then correlate it with Janu or AJ Brown. Um, look, it's a game with a lot of points. These offenses are going are going to be successful in this game, I think. So it's definitely a game I want. I, I want a piece of. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the focus of my week though. Um, you know, for what it's worth. Um, now. What else do we want to hit here? Look, the cost of AJ Brown, I think, is, you know, again, I'm not doing i I'm trying to really have as little standalone stuff in my lineups as possible. I want to have as much correlation as I can get. Um, but AJ Brown at 5600, like to, to to fade him down to zero this week, I think you're sort of asking to get whacked. So I'm I'm sort of committed to having some AJ Brown exposure. I don't know how much I'm going to have, but I'm committed to having some. He's really I would say the only person you know in this thing where I could say that. Like I there's no way I'm going to have zero AJ Brown this week. Um moving down to is it really? uh, One other thing you could mention in this game, uh, Aikens is a game time decision. It's a one o'clock game. If Aikens gets ruled out, Fells becomes a pretty decent play. Um, you know, he was the guy who helped me last week. Um, and yeah, back to back to Bengals at Colts. Now everybody's going to fade the Bengals this week. Um, I think it's worth noting. And I and, and you know what, I'm not real high on Burrow or the receivers this week. Not not so much because they flopped last week. Just because I have a lot of respect. for... For the Colts defense, um, and they're going to be at home. Uh, but I do think Mixon in this game—you know, at 6,200, which is a pretty low price—you know he's going to get around 20 or 20 touches. He could get more if this turns into an out-of-control game script. I- meaning, if 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 the Colts get out in front, in a scenario like that, I don't think they go to Geo. When the whole second half becomes sort of a passing situation, I think that becomes Mixon's. I could be wrong, but I think in a GPP it's worth rolling a dice on that, where I think Mixon could be more or less susceptible to game flow than maybe people think. I think in a positive game script, he's more likely to get pulled in a two-minute drill and on third downs than in a negative one, because in a negative game script, they need their best players on the field. They're in comeback mode. Um, So I I think some exposure to Mixon and GPPs makes sense. Um, On the other, I am really not really into any other Bengal players, I have to say. On the other side, I think we have to consider Trey Burton at 3,100. I think some limited GPP exposure to him makes sense. you know, I, I like Trey Burton, but he, there, there is one thing about him where any time he gets volume, he tends to get hurt. It always bugs me. He's been getting about halvesies over the last couple weeks, which for him is a lot considering he's part of a, a three-headed rotation. Um, Mo Cox is out this week, so that 50% should start shifting up towards 60, 65, 70. That type of playing time at 3,100 overall in an offense where we know the passing game is going to be short and schemed. I think some Burton exposure makes sense, um, but the guy I like um, here more than anything else is Taylor. Um, we've got injuries on the Bengals side of the football. Their defensive line is in tough shape, even with Atkins probably playing. Um, they've got other guys out, and you know, there's and the you know the Colts should be getting stronger um, on the offensive line this week. So I think Taylor. This is a week where they really. Could you know let him bloom a little bit, uh, and he sh- you know he's had trouble getting to the second level. This is a game he should get some some shots at the second level, um, and this guy didn't need a whole lot of shots to turn some big plays in. Um, so I think Taylor at six thousand four hundred um, in a plus matchup at home. Um, uh, and and, and the other thing is Wilkins is banged up so it's not, even if Wilkins is active it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to take an injured guy and use him as a closer meanwhile Taylor's a guy they want to get him lathered up they want to get him running better this could be a really good situation for the Colts to get a lead be in a plus game script and say okay let's give some volume to this kid um, because Taylor's a guy who needs to see more runs He needs more experience. The more you see these things, the more you learn the ins and the outs. You know, reading a defense as a running back, I mean, it's not like reading the defense as a quarterback, but you get a feel for things. You get a feel for your linemen, right? So I think it it behooves everybody here on the Colts' side of the ball for Taylor to start getting more volume, and I think this is a game where they can do it if the game script holds. Um, Now, the one other thing in this game that I think is... Worth noting, um, you know, the as much as I like the Colts in this game, I mean their offense has been sort of a disaster. Um, so you know, the Bengals defense at twenty one hundred against Rivers, you know, the odds of a strip sack, fumble, that kind of thing. I mean, that's all. That stuff's all in play. Um, uh, Taylor, as much as I do like him, he's a guy who is prone to fumbling, so, you know, I think you have a pretty good chance of some sacks and some turnovers in this game, even in a losing game script um, for the Bengals, and you pay all the way down to 2100 On the other side, I think the Colts at 4 k you know, uh, at home in a good game script. That's in play. I'm probably more inclined to play the Bengals, to be honest, um, because of, you know, $1,900 in savings is, you know, nothing to spit at. Um, Moving down to Atlanta uh, at Minnesota. Now, this is another game where I think a lot of people are going to be focused on it. Um, now, just so you guys know, as usual, I want to be up front. I will not be rostering any Matt Ryan, um, so feel free to because, you know, for those who don't know, anytime I play Matt Ryan, he goes absolutely in the tank. Not not a below-optimal game, like a complete tank job. So, I have. it's very important. You guys get to live. Um, I will die, so you get to live. There we go. Um, and you know, for the bold, I think the Falcons probably are, are going to be a little underowned. People are going to be scared. They're not going to know which guys to play. Um, I think Gurley, if you want to, you know, if you if you've got the guts, Gurley's in play here. Uh, I think both of the alpha receivers for Atlanta are in play, and Julio's, you know, priced down. If you've got the guts to do it, um, I'm a little more interested in the other side of the ball here. Um, So it's sort of the same problem I'm having with the other game. It's a little, maybe a little bit worse here. Um, Minnesota, 29 implied point total, thereabouts. Um, And you've got the very thin distribution of targets on this team. It's Thielen, it's Jefferson, uh, and then really the rest is sort of spattered around. Madison will probably be the next guy in the pecking order. So I definitely like the idea of playing Minnesota here. I talked about it early in the week that, you know, Madison just... Madison at 72, it's almost like DraftKings doesn't like us. Um, You know, so I'm, you know, I want to play Madison because I love the matchup and I like Madison, as you guys probably recall. Uh, But, man, he's going to be, from everything I'm hearing, he's going to be like the chalk at 7200 when he's only a couple hundred bucks off of where they would probably price Dalvin in a matchup like this. Man, I don't know. I am seeing a lot of good reasons to fade Madison. Not because I think he's going to fail. I think he's likely to have a good game. But all we have to do is have the touchdowns go away from him. And it's going to be tough for him to really pay off at this number, right? Like he could could catch five passes, run for 100 yards, and not pay off at 7,200. So um, I think I will have some Madison, but I'm probably more than likely going to play the other angles here, Uh, have some Thielen teams, have some JJ teams, um, maybe even some Cousins teams. Um, You know, I want to be involved in this game, but... I don't want to just just do the chalky thing and play Madison because I think he's priced up so high that I you know I think the I think rostering Madison and having it work for you you know all the way is just sort of thin because let's even if even if every, if it all works out and he hits he's going to be heavily owned. You know, so if you care about that kind of stuff, it's just you know, it's just hard to really find a successful way to play Madison unless he goes off. Um, so for me, I think I'd rather go to Thielen, um, or you know, quite honestly, I think the guy I'm really leaning to here is Justin Jefferson. Um, but I definitely want to be involved in this game because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Um, moving down to Denver and the Patriots. Um, Patriots defense, I think, is definitely in play here. Drew Locke coming off a layoff. Uh, Belichick's gonna look at this team, I think, and say, Yeah, we're not gonna, we're we're gonna just do everything we can do to show Locke one thing and then be the other, try to confuse him. And, and which which plays into the way I want to play this game. I, you know, Denver, pretty smart team. They got a lot of good coaches on that team. We talked about this during the offseason. And it would not surprise me. And one thing that I noticed about Drew Locke is that, you know what, in the screen game, he's not bad. For a young quarterback, he's pretty good in the screen game. Um so I think some screens to Lindsay and especially since Fant is probably going to be out and if he is he's not going to be 100%. I think some of those Fant screens could become Lindsay screens in this game. And Lindsay sitting there at 4300 with Melvin Gordon hasn't made the, you know Gordon has made the trip. So unless Gordon's going to charter his own plane and convince these coaches he's playing, we've got like full blown Lindsay here unless you think they're going to go heavy Royce Freeman, which I don't think they're going to do. So you know as I said, I'm, I want to get involved in this game, so I'm really nervous they're going to move it. But if they don't, um, you know, Lindsay is sort of like a potentially price-based free square. Um, and, you know, this gives you a, you know, a cheap path to a, a high-leverage game stack, right? Because you can take, you know, Cam is not priced up. Um, I think most people see this game probably as a slow game. But. The thing about, you know, a slow game, Cam still gets his in a slow game, right? Lindsay's still gonna get his in a slow game. And and now the other pieces we wanna get involved with here, Edelman at 56, and then Demire Bird, if that's how I pronounce his name, at 3500. Now Bird's a guy we know a little bit from last year. The thing about Bird, his lowest, I went back and looked, his lowest snap rate on the year is 86%. That's the least he's played in a game. He's playing more snaps than anybody in the Patriot offense okay, including Cam, because Cam's missed time, right? Um, Over the last three weeks, Burns had 22 targets, 22. And he had a decent game against Kansas City Secondary, which is not that easy to do. There's plenty of signal here. This is not all noise to me, okay? Now, the one other thing I like here is that, yes, the Patriots play a little bit slow, for sure. But one of the things I think people are worried about in this game is that, oh, it's going to be a blowout, and the Patriots will go to the ground yeah, they'll do that, but it'll never just be full-blown, right? Like, I mean, come on, how many times we seen, did we see Tom Brady throwing when they're up 40 points with 10 minutes left in the game? How many times have we seen it? So, I think you'll see the Patriots are willing to put their quarterbacks in jeopardy when they've got games in hand. We've seen it a gazillion times. So, in a GPP, I'm more than willing to, I, I, I'm probably going to have if this game sticks at 1 o'clock, I expect myself to have about 30% exposure to cam. And none of it's going to be naked. I'll either play him with Edelman or with Bird. I mean, a cam Bird stack is 10K. 65 plus 35, man. I mean, 10K stack um, with a thin distribution of targets. I can bring back a cheap Lindsay. So I'm looking at a three-player game stack, and I've spent fourteen three. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I'm willing to try that. That's something I'm willing to try. Um, let me see. Is there anything else here that I want to sort of get into? Nah, I think we hit it all. Um, Washington Giants. Here's a game, Washington at Giants. Um, we'll take care of the Giant half easily. 3,200 defense for the Giants, I think, is in play because this game could be This could be one of those games that gets out of control. Um but to me, thirty-two hundred for the Giants' defense. If I need that number, I might use it. Um, and Slayton at fifty-four hundred, who looks like he's good to go. Um, I like Slayton in this matchup. Um, but my my real interest is sort of on the other side of the ball, and I'm looking at the. <laughs> I almost used their old nickname. I'm looking at football team, and. One of the things that I've been saying I want to look for every week is the thin distribution of touches and McLaurin who has a tough matchup with the Giants uh, James Bradbury and Gibson are the two guys who get the touches on this team along with McKissick but this is a game where I think the game script could get them more on Gibson less on McKissick Gibson's only at 5500 and this sort of goes to something and every year I sort of do this uh, long-time Roto Bond listeners know I usually have a, you know, sort of a, a short list of young players and rookies, guys who haven't, you know, who I think are going to be great players. We've already talked about James Taylor. We've talked a lot about Lavisca Chenault this week. We've talked uh, a lot about Hawkinson all year. DeAndre Swift. I've already wasted a couple bullets on him, but I'm going to keep firing these bullets with a lot of these players, until they hit because I want it, I want them to hit for me when they're still cheap, right? So I think we already talked about Taylor's a guy I think is a good player to use this week. Um, We're going to get to Chenault in a bit. Um, But, you know, Gibson, I think, is a guy. Stick with this guy. He's had some tough matchups. I'm not saying play this guy in cash. Although, I don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily unplayable in cash. I don't think McLaurin's a cash play. But for me, I am going to have... Gibson lineups and I'm going to have McLaurin lineups I don't I don't think there's going to be any crossover I think in a Venn diagram that's two separate circles for me but I think I want to have a a, I I think I'd like to have half my teams with some Washington exposure um this week and I think probably 70% of that will be Gibson 30% of it will be McLaurin and in most of those situations if I can I'll probably want to bring back sleep okay um let me see. Anything else? Oh, I, I didn't mention this. The Redskins. Oh, I did it. The football team uh, gets back Brandon Scherf this week, um, and that's big because the Giants' defensive line is one of the you know that's one of the things that doesn't suck uh, on that team. So you know, Scherf is a big deal. Scherf could be the guy who gets Gibson to the second level. Um, so that's one more reason I sort of like Gibson. Uh, moving down. Um, To Ravens uh, at Philadelphia. You know, there's some intriguing stuff in this game. Now, Philadelphia is a pass funnel, which has me fading Lamar. Because the idea that Lamar is just going to pass his way to a ceiling game when he's like most expensive QB on the slate, I'm just not buying it. I'd rather fade him in that scenario. Now, if I'm going to play him, I'm going to play him with Andrews. But I think I may not have any Lamar this week. Or if I do, you know I'll just have some FOMO Lamar. Um, I may hit that on tomorrow morning's podcast. I am doing a podcast tomorrow morning, by the way. Um, It's going to be short, but it's going to be there. Um, So when I look at this game, it sounds like Darius Slay is going to play. He's been battling concussion stuff, right? So the Eagles are a pass funnel, but with Slay. So that really starts pushing me to Andrews, who... You know, one of the things that I've been really just sort of, sorry, I'm going on a little tangent here, but I've been struggling the last couple weeks when I look at the the tight end numbers, even when I say, well, this guy's the best play, then when I look at the people in the wide receiver column who are in that same price range, it's like, man, I don't like using this money. And I've paid down, I've basically just paid down tight end a couple times over the last couple weeks, and it's worked out Okay. But when I look at Andrews this week and I look at the 6500 price tag and I look at the fact that Philadelphia doesn't defend tight ends like at all and that Hollywood could be clamped with Slay more than usual and then looking at that this is a week to throw the ball and then looking at Lamar's a little banged up so his situation plays into throwing more. Everything says that Baltimore should throw more here. And if they do that, Andrews could see 10 targets in this game, and I think at 6,500, I am very cool with that. Um, This seems to me like a place where he could smash. He could smash 10 targets, two touchdowns, teasing 100 yards. He could have a really big game here, and I'm willing to use him as just my standalone tight end, um, or bring back an eagle. Now, bringing back an eagle probably sounds harder than it actually is. Um, Now, I'm not bringing back Ertz, obviously, if it's Andrews. and I don't think I'm going to bring back Sanders due to game script. Probably it's going to be Fulgham if I bring back anybody. And I am I will do it probably 50% of the time, maybe more. Um, let's not forget. I mean, yeah, Fulgham's got a tougher matchup, but he had a tough matchup last week, right? Um, and no d no Alshon, no Rieger, no Goddard. And I think one of the things that you know, I heard a lot of people talking about Fulgham this week. He can play X, he can do this, he can do that. Um, one thing I didn't hear, and I didn't go back and, and and you know, trace every single play, okay? But I did notice when I was watching that game, and I watched that whole game live, um, he was getting a lot of Goddard's routes. Rodder, Goddard, excuse me, he, They tend to feather him between wide receiver routes and slot tight end routes and inline tight end routes. Goddard does a little bit of everything. And from what I saw last week, they were using Fulgham as a replacement outside receiver, but they were also using him as a big slot um, in lieu of Goddard. So I think that's worth mentioning because what's significant there is that I don't think, is is that I think, first of all, Fulgham could be viable even when some of these receivers get back. up until Goddard gets back, but then also, it allows Philadelphia to attack the Ravens with Fulgham in more than one way. And if this game holds true, and it's a game where that the Eagles are chasing, then that makes him a pretty good, a pretty good bring back. And if you get lucky and the Eagles are scoring points, then all of a sudden these guys become synergistic um, and they're working together. Um, So I sort of like Andrews with the Fulgham bring back um, just because of the way this game sets up and where the injuries are and and stuff like that. Okay. Um, Cleveland uh, at the Steelers. So Cleveland's obviously got some injury problems. Beckham is looking good now. He doesn't have COVID, apparently. Um, And I think Beckham is probably an underrated piece here. Um, The price is a little higher than we would want it. Um, Well, price is always higher than we'd want it, but you know what I'm saying. Like I thought he might come in a little cheaper this week, but no, Um, I think think Beckham's in play. I think Kareem Hunt at 6,900 is very much in play, probably more than the field thinks he should be in play because Kareem Hunt is impervious to game flow. So if for some reason Cleveland overperforms, it'll be because Hunt is kicking ass. If Cleveland is getting smoked, then I think Hunt becomes a checkdown option and probably ends up with seven targets or something like that. Um, and I, like, I think it's unlikely that Hunt is going to hurt you. Okay, so you know, am I going to be like overload overloaded with cream hunt? No, but I think I'm definitely going to have some um, some hunt lineups, maybe twenty percent exposure, or something like that. Um, and if I'm not using hunt, I will probably use Beckham. If I'm not using hunt or Beckham, I'm going to look at Hooper at thirty nine hundred. And the thing with Hooper, did I write this down? Yeah, I mean he's cheap. He's but he's clearly coming on lately with with these injuries. And I think with the injury to Landry, I you know Landry's probably going to play. But sometimes you know they'll use him as a decoy, as a blocker. Um, Ike Hooper has seen more targets over the last two games than he saw over the first three combined, and it's it's like by a ton. Um, He saw like nine over the first three. He's seen like seventeen over the last two. It's ridiculous. So he's a guy who's now sort of a cover, Um, and I don't know how many people will be on Hooper. Um, So you know, for me, I definitely think nobody's going to be playing Browns, and I think all three of those plays. Uh, are viable uh, GPP plays on the Steelers side of the ball? Wow, so much to think about over here. First of all, their defense has to be in play at thirty-six hundred at home um, against a little, you know, a slightly dinged-up Baker Mayfield. Um, in addition to that, I mean, Connor, I think, is probably a very interesting pivot. And you know, at seventy-one, I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing Connor. But he could have the script here to really make it work, so I think some Connor exposure makes sense. Um, Claypool, I think, is a great play at fifty-two hundred. I think he's a great raw play. Um, so I'm definitely gonna have Claypool exposure, but I am probably gonna limit it, limit it, because I think you can really leverage him with Juju, who's got. Um, And I think uh, J.J. Zacharyson was saying this on Twitter. Um, He's got a really strong slot matchup this week. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say this, and it's true. Um, When you score four touchdowns, the defensive coordinator who gets you the next week, he knows. Okay, so Claypool's not sneaking up on anybody this week. Now, with Deontay out... Is he still a good play at 52? Absolutely, I'm gonna have significant exposure to Claypool. But what I'm gonna have is a lot of exposure to the Steelers. So I think, first of all, I may do some Big Ben stacks um, because he can he can take off even in a game like this. But I also think I'm gonna have, uh, probably in most of my lineups I'm gonna have a Steeler, either Claypool, Juju, or Ebron, and then if I do some Roethlisberger stacks, I will be using two out of the three in those stacks. Um, but i am not, i am really going to make it a point to make sure i'm getting steelers in most of my lineups um not afraid to go claypool but i mean come on it it, it it's so like the leverage against claypool is so obvious i think you probably want to try to play both i mean i mean do what you want i'm going to try to play both sides of that um moving down to bears at panthers i think mike davis is an obvious play here because you know, Teddy is still, t- to some extent, going to be checked down Teddy. Davis is getting all the snaps. Now, the problem is he's 7K, so I don't know how much Davis. I, I mean, I, I can't put him in every lineup this week uh, in a tough, toughish matchup, but I still think he's got that floor. Um, as far as anybody else on the Carolina side, for DFS, not that interested. Um, a dart or two with Robbie Anderson makes some sense. Um, on the other side, I think A-Rob exposure. Uh, makes sense, Um, I think when I'm not using A-Rob, I'm going to be considering Mooney at 3K Um, and Montgomery at 5,800 is going to be really chalky so I'll probably eat some of that chalk, some of that Montgomery chalk because this matchup is so good and Montgomery's a good receiver too but I also think you know um, the the, uh, Panthers top corner, Dante Jackson he's got a toe injury, I think I read that in Silva's column um So I think that leads me to think that I want to get a little bit of these receivers. So I'm probably going to be like two-thirds of my bear exposure is going to be Montgomery, but then that other third I'll probably break in half between A-Rob and Mooney. Uh, And I may end up with more Mooney just in case that cheap receiver can get me to a lineup build that I really like, because I do think Mooney's good for some points. And the thing about Mooney is a big play, a big play guy. You may get lucky; um, you gain a huge advantage on the field if he hits at three k. Uh, let's move down to Detroit, Jacksonville. This is the last one o'clock game on the slate. Um, this is another game where it's really compelling in terms of how I want to play it. Uh, Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, a good matchup for Detroit. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be playing Stafford. I can see why. I'll probably create a stack or two if I have the time. Um, The real question is what do you want to do with Stafford? I think the field will be on Gallaudet. But there's some scenarios where Gallaudet ends up with a tough matchup here. So I think feathering that and, like, if I do two Stafford lineups, one will have Gallaudet, the other definitely won't. And I'll go either with... Hawkinson or maybe Marvin Jones um, I also think keep tabs on Adrian Peterson he's been sick if that looks like it's gonna cost him playing time then you know some Swift exposure in a game like this could make some sense they've had the buy to work on his role um, so I think Swift could be a player to use in this game not sure if I'm gonna do it or not but I think it's worth noting um, All the guys on Detroit have good matchups, and they all are reasonably priced, with the exception of Hawkinson, who's priced up with all the tight ends. It's just part of the position, I guess. Uh, On the Jacksonville side, you know, Shark is obviously important. We don't know if he's going to play. It's a 1 o'clock game that'll help. Hopefully we'll find out, you know, around 1130, and we'll be able to make some adjustments. I think LaVisca Chenault is good to go here. It's a great matchup for him. Um, Robinson is in a good matchup, James Robinson the running back, but 6,800, I don't know, maybe. I I definitely do some Robinson, but I don't think I'm going to go heavy. I think I'd rather buy into the game flow that gets LaVisca and Keeling Cole, even Conley if if Shark is out. I think all of those guys make good bring-back options if you're using uh, Detroit stacks. Uh, And I think you can just correlate if you don't want to stack off the quarterbacks in this game. I'm not really on Minshew in this game, personally. Um, You know, just you could just Galadez Chenault. You could T.J. Keelan. You could go that way. Just match him up. Um... Nothing else I really need to hit there. Uh, I definitely like Galladay, though. I think Galladay is the player in this game, along with maybe Hawkinson, and maybe Chanel a little bit, maybe even Keelan. There are some guys in this game where I'll sort of stand-alone them to complete other lineups. Um, Galladay's volume, I think, makes him legit there. Moving down to Jets uh, at Dolphins. On the Jets' side, dear God, um, Crowder at 6,100 makes all kinds of sense. Uh, I mean, you forget thin target distribution like Crowder is the offense um now they're I guess Perryman's going to play a little this week he's you know he's going to be active um but you know a couple things first of all the you know I don't know if Perryman hits the ground running you know Perryman played a lot with Joe Flacco um in Baltimore they never established a connection it's possible that that is still the case so you know and meanwhile you know Flacco loves the interior throws when he's not throwing deep. So I think Crowder's going to get peppered. Um, I think he's a nice play. He's got floor. Um, and if the Jets score any touchdowns through the air, it'll probably be him. Um, and then, you know, so he's a great bring back if you're using Miami guys. But I also think Crowder's cash viable and standalone viable. Um, on the Miami side, I think stacking fits with Parker makes sense. Um, stacking fits... Um, With Preston makes sense. Using Gaskin makes sense. Um, You know, I think Miami is going to crush the Jets. um, And there's a lot of ways that could play out. Fitz is definitely viable at fifty nine hundred. He's probably viable in cash if you wanted to go there. Um, So I think you know, using some of these Miami pieces is a good idea. I'm sort of fixated on Parker, but I'm a little worried about the game script. So I think mixing up my Parker with some Gaskin would make sense. Gaskin at 54, wow. The only trick here is that, unfortunately, it's a 4 o'clock game, and I think Gaskin does lose significant appeal if Jordan Howard's active. So one thing I'm going to be grinding on is trying to see if I can get an early word on whether Jordan Howard's going to play. That may affect how I decide to uh, deploy some of these Miami assets. Uh, Moving down to Green Bay and Tampa. Wow, is this game interesting? From a how to play it perspective, on the Tampa side, there's not many people I like because I don't trust the health of so many of these guys. Um, maybe Evans, but the guy I'm really sort of fixated on is Brait. The backfield's going to get split up this week. They've got people coming back healthy, which scares me off at Jones. There's no way I'm playing Fournette or the other guys. So to me, you know, if I'm not going to play Evans on the Tampa side, it's probably going to be Brait at 3,500. And this is sort of important because. You know, I'm on the verge of you know maybe game stacking this thing. Um, I don't want to go too heavy on Rogers because at 7,500 for a quarterback who's not particularly mobile. Although you know Rogers could give you a foot touchdown. You never know. But you know for Rogers to get there, like to 40 points, for him to be the guy who really makes it work for you, he's going to need to just go nuts through the air. Um, And, and, you know, it could happen. It could happen. But Tampa's a good defense. So, like, I'm not going to build my whole week around Aaron Rodgers stacks. I'm probably going to put two or three of them together and have it be part of my portfolio. When I do stack him, whew, a lot of good things you can do here. I'm probably going to just mix it up, have an adams roger stack in case it's an Adams day where he gets 60% of the freaking juice, but then I'll probably mix that in with a Tanyan MVS and then maybe with a Jones MVS or something like that. And, you know, maybe a rogers adams jones thing too, but all of these guys... You know, nice thin target distribution here. You know, there's guys who get playing time on this team, but they don't really get that many touches. So, so much of the really good stuff is going to go through Adams, Jones, Tanyan, and MVS. And MVS is priced down enough where you can use them as a dart, um, and it's not going to kill you. So, I really like getting involved with Green Bay. It doesn't have to be a Rodgers stack. Um, If you're going cheap at QB and you can afford to use Adams or Tanyan or Jones, I think... um, that could make a lot of sense. And if you want to go away from Rogers, playing Jones alone is is one way to do it. Um, you know, you, you, you get a piece of Rogers that way. You could get a lot of the good stuff that Rogers does. And then if it ends up being a Jones day, you gain leverage on the people who played Adams and you know the other stuff. Because um, I don't think a lot of people are gonna play Jones. Um, and that's pretty much it um, for the slate. And hey, we're at 51 minutes overall. That's pretty good. Oh, and you know, the one thing I didn't mention in this game, um, the Bucks have lost, you know, that, that huge thing in the middle of their defense. Uh, 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 Vita Vitavea, the defensive tackle. So that certainly, um, I think, gives Green Bay a little bit more ability to hit some big plays in the middle of the field, to run out of passing formations, all things that also uh, help Jones. Uh, so, just uh, to wrap up here, uh, pretty good pace uh, this week. We're going to come in under an hour. Uh, I like that. Um, so, one thing that um, I've been talking about is you know looking for those thin uh, distribution of touches. Um, just in case I missed uh, any of this, the teams that I'm sort of focused on this week: uh, Tennessee, Minnesota, Washington, Baltimore, Jacksonville. The Jets, and when I say the Jets, we're just talking about Crowder, um, and Green Bay in terms of how well we know where the ball goes. Um, I you know, I like those offenses this week in terms of predictability for where the touches are going to go. Also, we want to stack. When we stack, we want to bring back. We want to consider roster blocks. We want to know about those positive game environments. And again, don't forget the dominoes. Um, so that's going to do it for the Week 6 DFS podcast uh, on Rotobahn.com. I will be back uh, tomorrow morning. Um, and as far as tomorrow morning show goes, uh, I'm going to be talking about um, the stacks that I really settled on. Um, you know, my exposure, which players ended up really being uh, the most prominent uh, in my lineups. And then, in, in addition to that, any big changes uh, that pop up between now and then. Obviously, a lot can happen uh, in a day. Uh, so if there are any injuries, if there's any COVID news and such, uh, we'll cover that tomorrow morning. Uh, but it'll be a quick pot, probably. 10 to 20 minutes tops um, and then we'll get you on your way so onward upward let's win some money this week uh, and again don't forget the dominoes because one thing leads to another Gideon. up